0: Hey, this is Jackson Bostwick, and the next guest on On Screen and Beyond play Captain Marvel on CBS Saturday Morning Shazam. See you then.
2: Welcome to episode 180 of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zarak, and this is the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, we go to Saturday morning TV shows. It's Captain Marvel from Shazam, Jackson Boswick. He's going to be coming up in just a few minutes right here at On Screen and Beyond, so if you were uh, remember that show, uh, if you were a kid watching that back then... It's going to be quite a thrill to hear Jackson talk about the show and about his stunt work on there and everything else. And it's coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen To Beyond. Also, want to remind you, if you're on Facebook, go ahead, go to On com, Go down to the bottom. We've got a link right there. You can click to it and get over there and like us and, and get some information about what's going on and everything. And uh, let's see, what else here? If uh, you're on uh, iTunes, we know a lot of you are listening for uh, On Screen and Beyond on iTunes. Uh, We'd appreciate it if you put a remark up there, a a review, whatever you want to call it, whatever they call that thing. And uh, just leave it there. uh, It'll help other people to find us and get the word out. And if you want to send us an email to let us know of a guest, email us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Right now, it's time for Remake Madness.
1: (laughs) and try again.
2: Remake Madness Well, the remake of Bonnie and Clyde From director Tanya Holly, Who we've had as a past guest on On Screen and Beyond uh, If you'd like to find that, Just go to onscreenandbeyond.com And go to our rerun section You can find it in there uh, Anyways, uh, it's been on and off for a couple of years Years now it seems like, and uh, it turns out they have a new Bonnie in line after Hillary Duff was released, and the film is looking for a 2012 release and in 2013 you are uh, going to be looking for a remake of a Taiwanese supernatural thriller called Silk and an Indonesian film called "The Raid will be remade by. US studio Scream Gems, and it's a story about a crime unit trapped in an apartment building with ruthless killers. So there's a lot of, uh, they're they're running out of remakes here, so they're turning around and making from other countries. So we'll see what goes on with that. Coming up next on Onscreen Screen and Beyond, upcoming movies. Upcoming movies, well, it looks like Elton John will be producing Rocket Man. It's a musical biopic about, you guessed it, Elton John. And the Steven Spielberg film Lincoln will focus mainly on the last four months of the president's life. So you can... Keep an eye out for that one. Spielberg's going to be a good film, I'm sure. And Sean Penn, Ryan Gosling, Josh Brolin, and Emma Stone will star in *Gangster Squad*. It's about two LA cops hunting for a mobster. You can look for that in 2013. That's it for upcoming movies. Next on *On Screen and Beyond*, taking you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming away as far as sequels. <laughs> Sequel City, well, Carl Urban will be part of the cast of The Chronicles of Roderick, Dead Man's Stalking. That's the sequel to The Chronicles of Roderick. And word is out that Charlie Sheen will be part of Scary Movie 5. And will they? Won't they? On? Off? Yes? No? We've heard it all. But Sir Gourney Weaver says they will not do Ghostbusters 3 if Bill Murray is not part of the cast. That's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, TV on DVD. TV on DVD. Well, November 15th, the 1977 miniseries Aspen with Sam Elliott, Perry King, and Gene Berry arrives on DVD and Blu-ray. And on November 8th, look for Mr. Magoo On TV Collections arrives in the complete set of Magoo's adventures on TV. And Hot in Cleveland Season 2 comes to DVD on November 28th. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we'll take a peek at movies coming your way on (laughs) DVD. Movies on DVD, well, The Hangover Part 2 lands on DVD and Blu-ray on December 6th. Look for Captain America, the first Avenger, as it makes its way to DVD and Blu-ray on October 25th. And on November 11th, look for Harry Potter Deathly Hallows Part 2 in stores on November 11th. So that's it for movies coming your way on DVD soon. And next on On Screen and Beyond, we sat down and talked with Jackson Bostwick. He, of course, was on the TV show Shazam playing Captain Marvel. And he's got a lot of stories to tell. And it's next right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today, my guest on On Screen and Beyond is an actor who had kids glued to the TV set every Saturday morning in 1974 to see the next adventure of Captain Marvel and Shazam. It's Jackson Bostwick. Jackson, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Hey, thanks a lot, Brian. Jackson, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show, and thank you for joining us. uh, and, and naturally, we want to talk about uh, Captain Marvel and Shazam and everything. But uh, I'd like to take a few moments to, to talk about how you got started in the business. Uh, when you were a kid, did you always wanted to be an actor?
0: No, never. I was raised in Montgomery, Alabama. And uh, we always thought actors were a little, you know, on the funny side. <laughs> um, and I just, uh, I was, my dad was a neurosurgeon. So I come from a professional family, Mm -hmm. and I, uh, going through school, just, you know, I took uh, in Alabama, at the University of Alabama, where I got my undergraduate degree, I took pre-med, I majored in biology, minored in physics and chemistry, and could have triple minored in biology, I mean, in uh, psychology. So if you told me I was going to be an actor uh, while I was in college, I would have said, damn fool, (laughs) Uh, there's no way that I could uh, even conceive of that. right? So I had, uh, this was during uh, the NAM era, and I knew I didn't want to go, you know, and they had the selective service. So I knew as soon as I graduated from college, I'd be tapped on the shoulder. So I knew I didn't want to go over as a grunt, so I decided to take ROTC so that I could go in at least as a commissioned officer. So I took that during school, and uh, when I got out, uh, after my Uh, well, I I took an an extra year uh, going into graduate work into uh, uh, marine biology and oceanography. But I sort of decided against that. I love the aspect of the Jacques Cousteau type thing, going out on the boat and collecting the specimens and stuff. but Mm -hmm. It wasn't uh, my uh, dream to sit in a lab behind a microscope all my life and key out fish and stuff. Uh, So I... uh, while I was in the Army. I was stationed, uh, uh, among other places, up at Fort Lewis in uh, Tacoma, Washington. And I uh, was very close to being deployed. Yeah, I was in a mobile surgical unit because of my degree in pre med. They, uh, Even though I put uh, my choices, they, they give you your choice uh, infantry first, artillery second, and medical third. They put me in medical. So I had gotten training as a medical supply officer. So I was up in Lewis in a in mobile surgical unit of MASH. Mm-hmm. And I was out at, uh, measuring the uh, the uh, flat cars on the train, getting ready to put the, uh, all our equipment and stuff and be uh, deployed over to Vietnam.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When I got orders from the colonel, or, or what well, the sergeant told me, he said, hey, the colonel wants to see you in the office. His office, so I did, I went in and he said, I uh, got orders here for you to be, uh, in uh, down in Fort Irwin, Southern California, in nine days. Well, I, I never heard of Fort Irwin uh, at the time. Of course, we're in Vietnam, and Fort Irwin is the desert training uh, center for, for the Army. Okay. So, uh, not many deserts in Vietnam. So, as a result, it, so it, was, it was not what you would call the more popular uh, base. Mm-hmm. But I told him. I said, uh, he said nine days. I said, uh, well, I can make it five. <laughs> I'm out of there, baby. So um, uh, I went down there, and I was stationed, and that's where I mustered out of the army. But I uh, was stationed there, and one day I get a postcard in the mail, and it was from the Dating Game, and said, "Yes, we'd like to see you come down, for, you know, for an interview." And I said, "Oh, which one of you guys sent my name into this?" Oh, Lieutenant, you got to go. You got. And one of the secretaries <laughs> sent my name. So they said, you got to go down there. So I went down to the dating game. And uh make it short, I didn't get the date. Uh, of course, as they say, you never lose. It's just you're not selected. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that, it, it appeases you there. But um, I did have an offer from uh, a guy who happened to be in the audience. And he was a scout from Paramount. It was Phil Benjamin, or Ben Benjamin. And um, I... Uh, I told him. I, I mean, I had one of them southern accent, you know, uh, being from uh, about Montgomery, and he said, "Well, have you ever thought about being?" No, sir, I've never done that nothing in my life. So well, why don't you see about getting some training? So I told Dad <clears throat> that, and he uh, and, and then to come look me up. And Dad said, "Well, of course, I'm telling a professional. You want to see about trying to be an actor?" Uh, he said, "Well, if, as long as you're continuing your schooling, you know, go ahead and give it a shot." Well, I. had. Passed my before I left school, knowing that after two years in the army, I'd never be able to remember any of the crap that I'm, you know, knew in college. I mean, quantitative uh, analysis and uh, chick embryology—all that like, I've never memorized that stuff or never, you know, it's in your head and out of it after the test.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so uh, I, um, I took my medical entrance, I passed that. My law entrance, I passed that, and my GRE. So I had them all passed. And I even had a, uh, a uh, uh, recommendation for a law school from Governor Wallace at the time. So, I mean, I, had, I didn't know where I was going. I didn't want to be a lawyer, but who knew, you know, what yeah. was going on. So I went down, and there were only two schools in Los Angeles that I'd ever heard of. And one of them was playing <clears throat> Alabama that year. John McKay was the coach. And Bear Bryant. Was the coach at Alabama when I was there and he was still there. So I said, Well, if it's good enough for the Bear, it's good enough for me. So I, I went over to USC and, uh, of course, the other school was UCLA. I went over there and, making it real short, I just by showing up and saying a couple of things, you know, hey, would one of y'all take any new people if y'all are sure like be see about getting in y'all's acting class? Well, anyway, they took a chance. I mean, I was one of the 11 original members of the master's company at USC. Um, I'd never done a thing in my life. There were three to 400 people trying out for those 11 slots yeah, from right. all over the country. Jeez. And uh, I didn't even know. <clears throat> he had told uh, the uh, professor then, uh, Bill White, who took the chance on me. And it was, I mean, it was a summer a day, and it was deserted the school, and he was about the only professor there. It's just like Joseph Campbell said, you just got to wander and bump into things. Because when it's meant to be, <clears throat> I mean, it's just as smooth and it happens like it, it, it's supposed to happen all the time. When it's not supposed to happen, it feels like you're bashing your head up against a brick wall. Uh, so just, you know, quit trying to go down that one path. If you have to take a spur off to one side, you'll end up coming back if it's meant to be.
1: Right.
0: But, you know, if you're pushed over there, go over there and see what it's about. You may find something you didn't know about. Well, anyway... <clears throat> He um, he told me when I'm in this office, and it was just him, uh, him and myself. He said, "Well, we're starting a new program this year, an MFA program." I had no idea what that was, you know, because it was new, Master Fine Arts. Because all we knew was the BAs, I mean, the MAs and the uh, MS's Masters. Mm-hmm. I think it's an MS. I know it's an MA, M- and then a, uh, a Master of Business MBA. But I didn't. I never heard of the MFA. Now an MFA. Is not geared towards the academia. That's M.A. M.A. goes from academia uh, uh, from uh, M.A. to Ph.D. That's the uh, you know the proper course. Mm-hmm. M.F.A. That's as high as you go because it's geared towards the professional. Mm-hmm. So as a result, you don't need to have uh, a stellar uh, scholastic record. You just need uh, to have. Uh, I don't know if they see something, talent, I guess, if you want to say yeah. that. Yeah. So anyway, um, <clears throat> he took a chance on me, and he told me, he said, well, look, why don't you come by? We're, and they were, this was, I said the timing was amazing. It was right just before orientation. He said, we're we're going through uh, these the school is, uh getting people signed up and everything this Friday. And I think I went in on a Monday or Tuesday or something. Why don't you come back? And come by and see me, and da da da. da. So I did. Make it short. He uh, he hand carried me through the process, and I was one of the eleven original members of the MFA company at USC. Jeez. And John Ritter was still an undergraduate. Um, and I, I, it seems like so many of the uh, celebrities have their kids going to these schools. You know, mm-hmm. uh, in fact, I ended up doing a, a getting called back to do a play with Dorothy McGuire, Sweet Bird of Youth, for the grand opening of the Bing Theater. At USC, um, and it, it, it's just amazing the people that, that would come out in the audience. My first play that I had lead in, that uh, of course this is out, Sally Fields' then husband uh, was directing me, and Sally was in the audience. Andy Griffith was in the audience. I mean, uh, um, uh, God, there were several other celebrities out there. Thank I can't you. remember. I remember Lee Marvin coming out and see me in uh-huh. in Tobacco Road. Uh, I know. I know. Carl Malden saw me do a scene from *Sweet Street uh, Streetcar Named Desire*, and I played the character that he won the Academy Award
1: mm-hmm. for that
0: yeah. performance. Mitch in there, and my leading lady at the time uh, for that particular scene, who was playing Blanche uh, Dubois, uh, gave me a, a bum line, uh, my exit line, mm-hmm. before she even did her big speech of the you know that. Uh, the light was no brighter than that candle, mm-hmm. the kitchen candle. It was a, it's a famous uh, speech. Yeah. She sent me out, and I'm I'm out on the porch. I'm because it was my exit line. She made it made me go outside, and I'm looking up, and I just to, to fake it. I you know the Pleiades. I don't know. just remembering stuff, and until she called me back in, and asked me how my mother was, and that got me us back on course that i had finished. So I'm asking, after the thing, Carl Marlon and how Eli, he like he said loved me, and I said, did you notice when. Uh, we changed it right. He said, uh, changed it around. He said, no, when? I said, well, she gave me the wrong light. He said, I never even noticed. Now, this is the guy that won the award. Right. <laughs> never done. So from then on, I was never, never apprehensive or afraid going out on stage, because I know as long as you stay in character, the audience will never know.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. They that's...
0: never know if, if you break. Yes. But if you don't break, then you're safe. Yeah. And I've seen, I've been on stage so many times, and look over and, and see uh, that thousand-yard stare from my fellow actor when I know he's gone up on his lines, mm-hmm. and we just have to get him back on it. Or when I go up on it, and I mean, I give them that stare, <laughs> they know that oh, we got to help him. Yeah. yeah. And but as long as you stay in character and just talk about, I did that doing uh, a, a off uh, the, uh, the Three Sisters. I went up on my lines because all it is is just. Speechy, speechy talk, and I—I I went up on my lines when I'm talking to, uh, uh, to Olga or whatever their name was, and they're all sitting around, and I'm—I played Rasheen, and, and I'm talking about, and, and so I couldn't remember the lines. It was about Moscow, so I just started talking about Montgomery, Alabama, and started you know talking about the the. the, the uh, Telephone poles and how I love the buildings and the structures and everything and the fountain down in in the city square. All of this stuff was until I could get back on track. Yeah. Was about my hometown. Wow. No, nobody ever picked it up. Now, of course, my fellow actors were staring at me like, is this guy <laughs> what? What is going on here? You know, yeah. and I'm looking at them, and it's it's really it's, it's quite interesting to watch the expression on their face when they when that happens. But they know that you're in trouble.
1: I'm sure, and they're yeah. and they're
0: laughing and they're going along with it. But they know what is going when is it going to get back until I finally picked it up. Yeah, and got onto a line that I could remember, and then I got me back into sync. Wow. <laughs> so anyway, that's how I got into uh, into acting.
2: Yeah. Now, now you mentioned the dating game, and I didn't know that you had been on the dating game. Um, yeah,
0: I was uh, I, guess I was bachelor number one. Yeah. Did now the thing that made me I was brilliant. I mean, really, absolutely brilliant in the interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they, they the guy that was doing they were falling out laughing. It was I mean, it was really and I felt good about it. The timing, everything was just perfect. I get on the stage, and they made me wear my uniform. And of course, during now nah, that was like the uh, you know the curse of Dracula, mm-hmm. uh, because they just everybody it seemed like. Especially the younger people were down on, you know, the uh, military. Yeah. So that put me ill at ease right off at of the bat, uh, and I was bachelor number one, which you know you're going to get the first question. Yeah. And 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 they'd already given you all of this stuff. that oh be sure and don't say this. Don't say if you say the f word. Don't say oh oh s. I just said f. You know, don't forget all that stuff. And i so you you go out there with all of this in your mind. And you, ju- it, it just locks you down,
1: hmm.
0: uh, and so this, uh, to me, was a real learning thing yeah. to to know that it's not as easy as it looks. Yeah. But once you learn some tricks, I mean, then it becomes a joy to get out there.
2: Hmm. Yeah. What was Jim Lang like?
0: Well, he was uh, very funny. He always tried to keep you up. He's, you know, he seemed like he was always on when yeah. he talked. And who was the? Uh, gosh, I can't think of the guy's name. That's, uh, that that uh, had this Gong Show and that show oh, was Chuck Barris. Chuck Barris. Yes. Chuck was he's neat. He just all that, but he was the one that came back. Oh, be sure you don't do this. That. But you know, Chuck is just full of full of uh, life and everything.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So
0: uh, uh, as as much as being full of something else, but he was uh, really uh, it was a fun show. Don't get me wrong, I yeah. enjoyed it, but I was petrified.
2: Yeah. So who who ended up uh, was it number two or number that,
0: three? And, Number three, and he never went out. We were, uh, it was Andre Matisse's, the artist's granddaughter, and she never went on the date with this guy. Really? And Yeah, she didn't go. He, uh, ended up going on it. I think she said a cousin or somebody with it, but she didn't go.
2: <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so, after all this, <clears throat> uh, you got the bug now. Um, what was your first role well, you know, a- I, Actually, I didn't get the bug. Really? What, what? No, it won the bug. It
0: was a, I, I, in a way, it was a challenge.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't. I'm telling you, I'm going to USC. I didn't even know who Lawrence Olivier was. I didn't know anybody. John Wayne. Yeah,
1: Lawrence.
0: I'd never heard of the guy. Yeah. So I started. I went over to uh, to the uh, cinema department. I could have gotten a double MFA in cinema too. Mm-hmm. In fact, I did. Uh, uh, um, uh, Nick Castle's first. Um, little short movie out there and he wanted to come back and do another one for him of course he did uh escape from new york with john carpenter mm-hmm. then he later did the boy who could fly or whatever like this yeah. but uh he's fun and there are all kinds of uh people i've uh, the guy johnny crawford i came good friends with johnny he played the young boy on the rifleman yes yes yeah he's doing he's doing a i guess he has dance band or something yeah, yeah from yeah. the 40s Apparently, does quite well. But we water ski up at his place in uh, in Lake Arrowhead. But anyway, all of this um, for me was to learn something. I mean, they had me doing everything: Shaw, Shakespeare, uh, Chekhov. I, I didn't know where the hell I was, uh, <laughs> you know, doing this stuff. But I understood it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because and, you know, and I and
0: and yet I couldn't like a British. I'd, I would do it southern, and I had people come up. So that's the first time I've ever understood Shakespeare or the first time I ever stunned, understood that passage. And so I, that sort of hit me. That stuck with me, and I'll tell you uh, what happened later on that. And, and especially my, uh, the uh, instructor told me, he said, you know, when you put it like this, like you know how to put it, instead of trying to do it like the, the uh, classical way, it becomes very believable. And that, to me, uh, at the time, right at that moment, well, it struck me as a little funny. Was he just being nice to me, trying to make me feel good or whatever? But kids started coming up and telling me that that, that made sense to me. But anyway, um, <clears throat> I tried to uh, learn what I was doing. So I went over to the cinema department, and I lived over there on the weekends because they have uh, the, uh, um, I guess, what do you want to say, the, the smorgasbord of films that they can get from the studios at a whim. Mm-hmm. Anytime they want them, they can get them. Yeah. So they would show, they would have these uh, festivals, if you will, on the weekends. And uh, they would last maybe a couple of months, like they would have a Western festival, mm-hmm. or they would have a science fiction festival, or a horror festival. And we would have all of the great movies that were ever made our, just to go over there. And I was there all day Saturday and all day Sunday watching nothing but movies. Mm, yeah. And I, this is where I learned about like Citizen Kane and Hamlet and all that good stuff yeah. uh, that Olivier did and, I, and started appreciating it. And so my second year, they had a class called uh, uh, Experimental Theater. And that, it was open to the school, and uh, as many as, 50, as over 50 people were in the class. And what we would do, we're supposed to put on a play, not a play in full length in two weeks, and put it on for one weekend. So uh, I didn't know what to do. The, I, it, it consisted of people who wanted to be directors, who were in the MFA program to be directors, uh, some who wanted to be actors, some who wanted to be uh, um, stage um, um, construction, you know, and the others wanted to be uh, costuming. So uh, you had all of these that could you get a master's in that were there. They were going to be helping with the play, plus you had other people coming in from outside who wanted to do this or act or whatever and had a talent. So I'm listening to all of these people up there. The actors had to audition for all of these, uh, I mean, singing and doing incredible stuff. And I'm saying, well, what the hell am I going to do? And so I had remembered what my professor and the people had said, that you put it in your own... The way you do it, the way you do it, uh, is understood. So on the way, the last day, and and I knew it was my time to come up, all the other people had done it, and I'd I'd hidden, (laughs) stayed back until the very end. This was going to be, I had to go, I wrote a thing on the way over, and I did it and absolutely stopped the show, so to speak. Hmm. Uh, I can still remember John Ashton played the old cop in Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, He also did a did a good job at a little, what called Midnight Run with Robert De Niro. He yep. played the other bounty hunter. Well, he, uh, I could hear him laughing. I mean, just howling out there. And the writer was out there and all this. Uh, and it was packed that day. But I did, I Southern fried some Shakespeare. And I did uh, uh, the Julius Caesar speech. And absolutely stopped him. And the uh, next thing I know, the next day, they had us reading the plays that we were going to do. And there was a play that the, uh, and the professor uh, had selected plays, judging on who the uh, people were and what you know could be done. A play called Ballad of the Sad Cafe, and which is uh, a Southern uh, Carson McCullough. Uh, and I um, had uh, got the part of uh, Marvin Macy, which is the lead role. And I, because my reading was incredible, I, I just read it like like it was me. And so they put it up, and I remember after the first performance, uh, as I say, Sally Fields' husband was out in the audience. I mean, it was packed, and the reason, and, and people, they put chairs even out because it was a smaller, smaller theater out there, out into the yard, so people could look through the doors. The kids could. Hmm, wow. And uh, the reason was it because the professors all said you got, to, and especially the guy that had the class, you've got to come see this Boston Boy act. Well, I didn't know that at the time, and that that would have killed me. Uh, but Ritter came back. He said, "I've never seen acting like that in my life." Now, I, you know, uh, when I think about it, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I never had any training at it. You know, uh, it was just something I was doing up there, being myself. Yeah. And that was a big lesson to me. Now, when I was Captain Marvel, of course, I couldn't do that. I mean, all right, y'all, get out of that hole. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't. You couldn't talk like that. Right. It had to be. Well, today we saw why Johnny and Susie, you know, shouldn't mess around in the poison ivy.
1: Yeah, uh,
0: yeah it, it couldn't do that otherwise. Uh, so I had to learn some other techniques. But that taught me right there that's the whole secret of acting. And that's why when I teach acting, I only teach cold readings and uh, situation comedy with improv as the tool. One teaches you how to be yourself. The other one teaches you how to get the job. Hmm. If you want to do scene study, fine. Go to a, a college or something and do that, but it's the most unrealistic uh, thing you can do uh, because what it essentially amounts to is two actors going off and, and directing each other, and that never happens. Yeah. Uh, because they have to go study the scene and work it out and all this kind of stuff. You, you know, no, in the real life, you get a script, you show up the next day with your lines memorized, and if you meet and you happen to be doing a scene with the star and you meet them just before they say action, you're lucky.
2: Now, is it true that your first, I don't want to say acting job, but, but, uh, delve into tv was on the red skeleton show no
0: no 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 that was later that was later no, my, oh yeah my first thing uh that i did and i hadn't even started school yet i'd went out and got a, uh, an agent just started at i was told um, the professor had set me up with uh a gentleman larry brown out at universal studios he was uh, working on name of the G- uh dragnet 70 and uh, uh name of the game, mm-hmm, as a, yeah. co- a coordinator, and he was uh, teaching me, you know, giving me some private uh, instruction, had me memorize a couple of things. Um, one of them was uh, the uh, devil speech from Don Juan in Hell, uh, in, uh, a man of Superman, Shaw, which is about a 12-minute speech. But did that, just for you know practice. Then he said, well, I think you would need to go out and get an agent. I said, what? I don't hadn't I even start. He said, yeah. Just, uh, I said, what, what do I do? Go down to the Screen Actors Guild, Get yourself a copy of the uh, Franchise Agents, and, and you go out and get some. So I noticed there were a lot of them on Sunset Boulevard. So I started at the top of Sunset Boulevard, the 9,000 building, and I just started coming down the Sunset towards yes, Hollywood. Yes. And the fourth agent that I went to uh, took me. And he uh, never done anything. I, I don't need to go into the whole thing uh, What I went around with him. It's in my book. Myth, Magic, and Immortal. The mm-hmm. uh, but they, uh, they got me out, and a week later, I did my first commercial. I haven't even started school yet. And that was from Mutual of Omaha, The Wild Kingdom. It was a second commercial back when they did them back that long back then with uh, Tom Poston's, uh, the comedian on the Steve Allen show and did yes. all those men on the street, Dick Poston. It was his, son, uh, his uh, brother that I did that with. And that was my first gig. Okay. And then. I was reading a lot of stuff and while I was going to school, uh, doing things, and I read for a, uh, a gentleman who, who was then just a, like a, a coordinator or something. He wasn't even a casting man. Out of, uh 20th Century Fox for uh, two things. One for Meyer Breckenridge with... Uh, um, Mae West? Yeah, uh, um, what's her name?
2: Uh, Raquel Welch.
0: Raquel Welch. Yes. And for the part of Rusty. I didn't get that. I mean, I, I, boy, I must have missed it just by, uh, Bob said, you just missed it by a hair. And I read with Raquel. <laughs> He's talking about freezing up. Then uh, the second was was uh, called, um, I think it was called Southern Southern Fried or something like that. So, uh, and I remember John Ritter had read for it, too, and he told me that John had been in a reading. But he told me that I uh, do it uh you know, like yourself, that I did. I just missed on that one. Of course, it didn't go anywhere either. But Bobby Hoffman then became the casting uh, guy, along with boy, uh, uh, his name uh, Ramsey Ramsey King, uh, who was casting then uh, out at uh, Paramount. So I get a call from Bob Hoffman. Said, Jackson, come on down. There's a pilot that's going on, and I want you to uh, to read for Jerry Paris. Now Jerry, uh, who was the next door neighbor on the Dick Van Dyke Show. Yeah. Had just finished a movie, he was getting a how does it a called uh, Grasshopper with um, uh, Jim Brown, and uh, and it was a popular movie. So he, uh, I go down there, I, I do an improv with uh, with Jerry, and he said, "You're right, Bob. He's perfect for the part." He said, "Now Jackson, you remember uh, the screen actually so I said, "No," and they, and they said, "Oh man, oh God." He said, "Have you ever done anything?" I said. I did a commercial. Oh, you did? Yeah. So, Are, are you a member of AFTRA? Uh, well, no, I, I took a Taft-Hartley. Ah, go down and join right now, and, and we'll call over SAG and tell them uh, about you, and then you go down and join SAG. So AFTRA was my parent union, and uh, I joined SAG, and at that time, it was $100 to join each one, one of them. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know what it is now, but I guarantee it in 100 bucks. Right. <laughs> So that's how I got into the uh, into the union. That's how I got going professionally, and I did the pilot for Funny Face with Sandy Duncan, Funny and that face, was what yes. Jerry, Jerry Paris was directing. Yeah, oh, and great. I played the uh, uh, the football hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you because have... I was keep, I was competing in, ju- in kickboxing and judo at the time, and I weighed about seventeen, so I was pretty heavy.
2: Now, now you in your career, you've you've worked um, for quite a few Disney pictures, right? Yes. Yeah.
0: They, uh, uh, Disney had, uh, USC is a popular spot and so is UCLA for the, uh, casting people to come out and see talent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Alex Siegel, who, uh, was one of the, uh, innovators of the three camera technique for U.S. Steel Hour and all those, uh, CBS playhouses way back in the fifties. He was, uh, uh, he also directed, um, um, uh, Yvette Mimio and, um, Oh, gosh, who played Dr. Kildare? Um,
2: uh, Richard Chamberlain?
0: Richard Chamberlain uh, in, in uh, Joy in the Morning. And he was, uh, uh, he directed uh, Lee J. Cobb when he won his Emmy in Death as a Salesman. I mean, just been a, just incredible director. And he was the head of the department. And he had uh, uh, told them to come out and see me in a play. Because um, there was a movie up that they said for World's Greatest Athlete. Yes. And so they came out to see me for that, and that's when they called me, Bill Shepard called me out there. And uh, they gave me the personality test, which is an interesting test. Uh, and then they, um, you know, started using me. I didn't get that part. Uh, I did the first film I ever did out there. It was Out on the Top of the World. Yes. Uh, and I got, my scene was cut out, but I still get credit for it, and I still get residuals for it. But I was the pilot at the very end of it, and I guess they just felt it. I don't know what it was. They had me for my blue eyes and everything, because it was supposed to be flying over where the, the the hidden island is, and knowing that that's where my ancestors are and everything.
1: Hmm.
0: Uh, it was supposed to be a, that type of gag, but I guess they didn't want to use it. Yeah. So that was the first movie I did. But yeah, I did from then on. I, uh, Bill, God loving Bill Shepard. He and Marvin Schnall were the big casting men out there. Uh, Bill would have me out there to um, constantly doing stuff here and there. You know, voices like for Cat from Outer Space and Devlin Max, Devlin Zorro. It was a blast. We had a lot of fun. Then, of course, I did some on camera, like Gus, Gus and Tron, Tron, which I'm doing some stuff for right now. Uh, The Tron reunion. I played the head guard. Yeah. And then uh, uh my science project, smaller parts, but you know, enough to keep my my pension up. <laughs>
2: right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which was great. Yeah. Now how did you get the part on uh of Captain Marvel on Shazam? How did that come about?
0: Well uh I had uh, been sorta of down uh that particular I'd already graduated and I didn't know, you know, what, what to do. I'd broken up with a girl uh, I'd stepped on a nail on uh, Governor Wallace's cabin to, uh, dock on a lake where we had a cabin just down from him, and I'd gone over down there and stepped on a nail, and my foot was swollen. I was just really feeling bad, and I called Bill, and I just dropped my agent because I was in between agents. I said, you know, I, just, I need to get out. I need to die He said, well, who do you want again?" I said, well, I don't know. I, I need a commercial agent just to start back in. He said, well, how about Jack Wernser? And I said, uh, well, unfortunately, I went over there about six months ago, and they, they dropped some pictures off, and they said, well, we'll get back to you, and I've never heard from you. He said, well, let me give him a call. So 30 minutes later, I get a call from them. And they say, uh, yeah, we'd like to see you and come down. Of course, they sign me. Yeah, they get a call from the one of the head casting guys out of Disney. And they're going to sign you. Uh, so anyway, about a week after I signed with them, I get a call, and they say they want me to go out for a Captain Marvel cereal out in the valley. Well, I'm thinking it's a commercial agent. it must be like Captain Crunch or something like that, yeah, a cereal, you know a c e right. not an s e and so I go out to this little studio called filmation, and uh when I first arrived there, it was uh, you know when you go on a cattle call for a commercial you and I was in my cattle call uh costume, if you will, white t- shirt Jeans and cowboy boots. Mm-hmm. Um, I just—you uh, always expect a huge crowd, and I, well, my gosh, I, I, I drove right up to the front of the studio and parked. You normally you're three blocks away, and I'm. I'm this is the right place. I look at the address again. I walked in the door. There's nobody in there, and I, I sat down. And uh, presently, a, a guy comes out and introduces himself as Bob Chenault, as a producer. And he come on back. So I go back, and you know, this is strange. You don't get to meet the producer right, right off the bat. So I, uh, I start talking with him, and during the course of the conversation, I start realizing this is for a Captain Marvel serial, like in the series, you know. And uh, and then I could, i mean, I'm grown up because Captain Marvel was my big hero when I grew up. Captain uh, comic books—I had all the comics and everything—and I could tell you everything about Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And then he looked at my flying sidekicks and karate. Uh, where I mean I'm completely off the air, just stretched out. And uh, a couple of them, and another one, I'm really cutting a, a heavy bag in, in two. Um, he said, "My gosh, you can you can uh, fly without wire." <laughs> well, anyway, as I'm walking out, Bob later told me, he said, "Did you notice the uh, gentleman that was in the in the uh, Farmer John's when you walked out? He was sitting on the bench." I said, "No, no, I, I and I remembered." You know, somebody was there. I didn't pay any attention to him. He said, Well, as he came up to me and as you went by him and went out, uh, he said, well, now there goes, uh, you know, Captain Marvel. And as I say, I, I was a pretty good size at the time and uh, had been doing some very heavy leg lifting, like doing hack squats with 600 pounds. So I uh, um, assumed that he thought I was, you know, worked around there. Well, Bob had, uh, you know, pretty much, felt that I was the one that should play the part from my, you know, size and, and smile and the voice and the whole thing. And uh, he uh, he said, when he said that, that pretty much cinched it for me, that that would be the one. And this guy was one of the final four that they had for the Captain Marvel. They'd been looking for four months for Captain Marvel. They started looking for actors that were athletes, then then athletes that were actors, and they were back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. And they had finally got it down to four, and this guy that did it uh, was Mark Harmon. He had just graduated from UCLA as their star quarterback, mm-hmm. and he was one of the final four. Huh. So thank you. Thank you, Mark.
2: Once you got on the show, did you do a lot of the stunts that were, were involved? I did. I did all of my stunts except one,
0: and I did a, a partial one of that until I uh, you know, uh, saw that this, and I would already know you're not supposed to do it. And that's wrestling, uh, have anything to do with wild animals, uh, because I don't care how mean they say they are; they're still wild.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. Um, was wrestled with a lion, and uh, we we put the trainer in a costume, and he did that. But I did let him bite me. I did you know did all kinds of stuff uh, with the lion. In fact, uh, what really cinched it for me, uh, do you know how the, it was? A kid that was supposed to be trapped in this uh, cage, mm-hmm. or, or I say compound. Where the lion happened to be, and he was a young, it was one of uh, Elsie's uh, offspring from uh, Born Free. Born Free, yes. Yeah,
1: and it was a two
0: hundred, about a three hundred, two hundred fifty pound, three hundred pound young lion. Wow. And uh, he, the kid, was trapped, and the lion was stalking him. And the way they get the lion to come at the camera is they take a, a, a chicken and hold him by his legs upside down and shaking, uh, and of course the chicken's going nuts, and that's <laughs> oh, and the, and the cat's in hmm. So the gag is, is I'm supposed to come in between him and the kid. I'm up on a 14 foot ladder over the top of the camera lens, so it looks like I'm coming in for a landing. And by the way, try that sometime coming off a of 14 feet and landing, and try as a superhero and not doing a PLF, uh, and and catching yourself. As I said, the heavy weight uh, leg um, uh, training helped me on that. But I came down. In between this lion and the chicken. And here it is. A bi- I'm a big red bird now with a big flapping cape coming down and he's t- saying, mm! <laughs> He took a, took a swipe at me. I mean, a rawr, big loud roar. And he missed my thigh about two inches and <laughs> cut the cape like it was butter.
1: Oh, And
0: I said, wham, man, man, that's it. Uh, no. Okay. Um, Stuntman? man, yeah. <laughs> Double? Come in here. I'm not, uh, no way am I going to fool around with that. I mean, I did, it was like a Matador's cape that saved my thigh.
2: Jeez, you're lucky.
0: I'm very lucky. Jeez. Because he could, he had he would have opened me wide open there.
2: Huh. So, so they didn't have a trainer to, to, to hold the cat back if something happened?
0: No. Or? Oh, wow. no. Oh, no. Oh, he was, yeah, sure, he was back there. What was he going to do? Right,
1: yeah.
2: But
0: after, it, after the damage is done.
2: Right, geez.
0: Well, this has happened most of the time. I think Tippy Hedron, who was a tippy or them, had a problem with a tiger. Uh, that happens all the time, cheetahs. Uh, the guy that was on uh, uh, Wild Kingdom, he I think he used to be with the birds of prey, because we ran into him down at the birds of prey uh, uh, thing down in Ocala, Florida before um, Wild Kingdom came on, a uh, family was taking a trip or something. Uh, this was in the, oh gosh, late 50s, something like that. And his name was Jim Fowler, I think. Yes, it was Jim Fowler, yeah. Yeah, and he was there. And I still remember what he said about cheetahs and when we were looking at them. And we practically had a, a, a personal tour because there was hardly anybody there that day. I think it was after a big rainstorm. Um, so... He said, don't ever, you don't ever turn your back on them. You never trust them. They're wild. They'll take you out quicker than you can turn around. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, I don't care if they were raised from a, uh, a kit, They'll
2: still do it. Yeah, yeah. they're still So wild that,
0: that was sticking with me at the time when, I, when that when that lion took a swipe at me.
2: Now, was that the most dangerous thing that... Uh, you... No,
0: the, da- the most dangerous, really, I was hanging from a helicopter uh, when we went up to about 350 feet and my, my arms started cramping up on me. Cause if you remember the size of the runners on a helicopter, are, you can't get a grip around. Them. So I had to like hook my arms mm-hmm. around, you know, hook my hands. So I, I told that and I could sit there and just talk to the, the pilot. I love it. Here we are, up 350 feet and I'm hanging on the runner. And I said, my, my, uh, my forearms are starting to cramp. He said, okay, we'll start lowering you. <laughs> I said, good, good move. So, uh, uh, that was that was dangerous, but the dangerous, most dangerous one, was riding on top of the motor motorhome, uh, because I had nothing to strap me in, and it's like being up on a a giant bowl of Jello, because the uh, the springs are very squishy in those motorhomes when they're not loaded down. I mean, it, you really can't keep your balance, and, and this was one where I had to stop the motorhome uh, going full speed or going pretty fast for forty miles an hour uh, at, at a tunnel in, uh, Griffith Park. Uh, and I, what we had to do was we, he drove by real close to the edge of the tunnel and I had to slap it, you know, with my hand. Yeah. And what and what we did, we came back, put me in position and reversed the camera and then had him pull back so that it looked like I just, you know, and stopped it. Stopped it. Yeah. Uh, well, that was the most dangerous, even though it didn't look like it. The other one, that could have killed me. Uh, was when I drilled into the ground. They tied me by my feet with 500-pound test piano wire and twisted me up and twisted me and and sent me up 60 feet in the air. And I'm facing head-first down in a head-first dive, spinning, and I had been into the ground. And all I could see down there was my safety man in a hole, Big John Carroll, uh, with water spraying out, using a fire hose down there. And I'm saying, if this wire snaps, He and I are both dead because I'm coming right down on top of him. They had me do that four times. I got down to the bottom of the hole, and the hole was just going all around because I was so dizzy, going around and around. Can you do it again, Jackson? Can you do it again? Oh, yeah, sure. Send me up quick. I'm about ready to, you know, about ready to ralph here. So they (laughs) send me up again, spin me again. And my dad told me, if they just spin you the other way, it would have helped. Because it, it went on, you know, your semicircular canals start
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: tumbling on you. And if you go the other way, it, it, it neutralizes it.
1: Wow. But they
0: kept spinning me the same way. And so uh, for a week after that, I mean, a solid week, I was still a little unsure of myself.
1: Huh.
0: The only other time that I've ever been that way was at the tea party, uh, the teacups in, in Mad Hatter Tea Party out in Disneyland. <laughs> when I spun and spun it so darn fast, I couldn't even keep my head, uh, my, you know, uh, from going back, yeah, with the and the girl was on the other side, and I mean, my head was, just, and I that that one I got off of that I was wasn't right for a week. Jeez. So anyway, that those were dangerous. Uh, uh. You can when you think back on them, where uh, you really have died. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. Now,
0: tree. I did tricky ones. I did a uh, with a horse at a full gallop. I took a girl off a horse at full gallop, uh, and and we were. Uh, to set that up, uh, they strapped me on a uh, diving board and swung me out on a, on a uh, car, a camera car, uh, with a girl on a saddle on another camera car, car, doing about 60 miles an hour down the road, swinging me out, and I had to just get right behind her like she's on a runaway horse. And just as I grabbed her, lift, and then we cut. And then they get me, uh, I told them how to do the stunt, uh, and, you know, what they could Jackson, can you do this? What can you do? How should we? And I told him how we could do it, Uh, especially on that. I said, what you do is just have this girl come by me at full gallop and get me in a full run. She comes out and whistles just as she gets to me, and I reach up and just go snatch her off the horse. Uh, And we did that. First take, it was perfect so that when you see it, I told him, I said, and to cover it, you'd go to switch to Mr. Mentor shaking his head like that's my boy yeah. and then come back as I'm pulling her off the horse and it, i mean it's i was really proud of that stunt
2: because it's it's slick it's smooth yeah. now did they not have a stunt man because uh, you chose not to or because Back then, they were a little slack and just wanted to save production value? No,
0: no, they saw they could I could handle it.
2: You could handle it? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sure they had somebody standing by. Yeah, just in but
0: case. But I, I told them, I, there were stunts that I wanted to do that they didn't wouldn't allow me to do. They were very hesitant about letting me go up there on that helicopter. I
2: can imagine. <laughs>
0: and I told them, I said, look, there's, there's a thing you could give me, and you know, like the Superman thing. I said, I could walk out in a field. You could have the wires on me like you did the, when I was dry, uh, drilling into the ground, have the helicopter out there. I could walk out, and then I could just take off.
2: Mm-hmm. It'd
0: just fly up there with me, and yeah. I'd just take off.
1: They didn't want
2: to do it. Huh. I was ready to do that. Yeah. Now, did, I, I noticed you know on the show they, that a lot of the, the way you flew and things like that had a resemblance to uh, the adventures of Superman with, with George Reeves. Um no,
0: it, it not even it had a resemblance, but it wasn't even close. Reeves had a had a full uh, body, a body, plate, right,
2: yeah, that he was on. Well,
0: mine mine wasn't. I had to do a back arch, and I want you to try it sometimes, see if you can do it. A back arch. When I first did the uh, the uh, show flying, I told him, "This is what I can do. Get me a pedestal." I will balance on it and do a back arch, and you can do the blue screen. We were doing blue screen screen films, and you can do that. Well, it was a four-by-four little pedestal that I put right in my gut, and then I I leaned over, and I I did a back arch on that like I was on the floor, feet straight out, arms straight out, and I'm balancing on that on my gut. And about two weeks, I mean, I was black and blue. I was sore there. I could... Barely touch it was so sore um, huh. from doing that. I don't know how many times I did it that day. Now, if you'll notice when I'm flying, they had to let the cape come down to cover where that thing was pushing up into my gut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but they uh, they did it on the coming at me straight front, which was a very good shot and flying right in the camera. But you can also see they screwed up on that because the blue screen on the pedestal blocked out one of my feet. So you only see one of my... Uh, feet in the rear back there. Really? <laughs> okay. Just uh, little trivia things you can go spot.
1: Yes. Yeah. But
0: uh, yeah, that we did that, and then of course uh, I would do a, a back arch on a, on a board, uh, like a diving board, mm-hmm. where they strap my feet down, it, and from my, my uh, uh, just a, below my belly button out, I, I could back arch up, and they could get below me and film as we uh, ride down the uh, street. Uh, or do a little flying in a helicopter or whatever, light, uh, and, and they could get that flying effect.
2: Jeez. Yeah. Well, the glamour of Hollywood. Huh? Oh, yeah. Jeez. Oh, but it, you know,
0: and then we had women. Who do he think he is? I, I still remember that. I've been to a boulevard. Who does he think he is out here doing this? That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I had another one out at. I should have seen her out at Taco Bell. There should have been a library here. It's Taco Bell. and... The cops had to get him out of the way, you know. It, it, it's, you're talking about a crazy—that's why I moved out of L.A. I Ever mean, You couldn't pay me to go back there. Yeah. I mean, when they say La La Land, they mean it.
1: <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and N.A. Member FDSE.
2: Now, now, the show, of course, was a Saturday morning show for kids, uh, but uh, it did have... Uh, the moral segment at the end of each show. Um, now, that
0: that was my idea. Really?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. It, it, uh, when the first show first
0: aired, they didn't have that. And I told Bob, Bob know, I said, Bob, you're missing the boat. I said, you know, every hero show always has the hero come back and talk with the kids or talk for the audience. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Sergeant Press in the Yukon, whether right. it's O Silver, who's that masked man, or all oh, Cisco, all oh, Pancho. Yes. They all come back and talk. I said, you're missing. Well, they don't want to give up that 60 seconds of commercial time. I said, well, they're missing it. And well, the fan mail <laughs> since that. So Bob later he said, well, uh, they finally want to do it. So we're going to do some in uh, tags on that. And so we shot all 15, because uh, this was the first year we only shot 15 shows. We shot all 15 of those with me coming back and talking to him in one day. And uh, out of Franklin Canyon Reservoir, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the middle of Beverly, uh, Bel Air, and if you can look real close on some of these uh, tight shots of my uh, when it comes in on my face, look in the background—it's raining like crazy. They're holding an umbrella over me with sun lamps oh, hitting really? me. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, if you look close, you can see the rain. Huh.
2: I Have to have to take a peek at those. <laughs> yeah. That that to me, that made the show. Yeah, I did really.
0: That was the capper that people would, the kids would wait around to watch Captain Marvel fly back in and talk to him.
2: Yeah, it gave a personal, uh, you know, a, a closer drawing that the audience into to you know and making them feel like you're talking to them.
0: To the character and yeah. to the to, to know that like, I, and I always told Clay, Clayton Moore was a very good friend of mine. Uh, I, that I always tried to uh, do what you did for me, Clay, as a youngster. I try to give uh, the kids of this generation somebody they could look up to. I never preached to them, never put my hands on my hips, and none of that stuff. And I, I used to go back and run my own dailies in the in the uh, uh, filmation studios. The uh, the editor would give me a reel to go run, uh, uncut. Uh, well, uh, yeah, well, I can't remember. It was a rough cut. Or was it was an uncut. But I would run this, uh, uh probably a rough cut. The the uh, I thread it up myself, no sound, and I'd run the 16 because they shot it Super 16, and I'd run and I'd watch it just for my body language, and just to make sure that, uh, how I held the costume so the you know, kids couldn't see the wrinkles because they're very kids are very <laughs> uh, um, astute when it comes to watching for stuff like that, yes. very critical. Uh, so I was making sure that I didn't need to hear the uh, uh, the dialogue, but just making sure that I was. Um, uh, presenting myself as somebody that they could look up to and yet not feel be afraid of.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said at the beginning of the interview here, uh, kids at that time were getting in front of the TV on Saturday mornings because they wanted to see Captain Marvel.
0: Even Alec Rose told me, he said, you know, the other reason I went into art, and he's the premier uh, artist for DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I told him, I said, you're a a magnificent artist, uh, Alex, but your choice of, of models stinks. <laughs> my, g- my God, that the guy that we got playing Captain Marvel looks like he's a philistine. <laughs> I mean, he's just a barbarian. And you got to remember that Captain Marvel—I mean—looks like he's going to break your back. <laughs> Captain Marvel is the uh, alter ego of Billy Batson, who is pure of heart.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You don't have a thug coming out, you know, ready to uh, do battle.
1: Yeah,
0: and and plus, Captain Marvel doesn't need all these. Uh, steroid muscles, uh, he's got magic, yeah. just like Superman doesn't need him. He's he's an alien, mm-hmm. yeah, like John Carter of Mars. So anyway, this is what uh, I tried to tell uh, uh, these people when I'm doing the, the, the talk at the end is to is not talk down to them, but to just be a friend to them, and yet keep that authority authoritative uh, uh, aura about
1: you. Yeah, yeah. and
0: uh, you'd be surprised the number. Of military and law enforcement, I've gotten emails from saying that the other reason I went into to law enforcement, into military, into doing this, and, and uh, because I I didn't have any direction, I didn't have this and that and the other, and that, that's you know I I did what I wanted to do because that's what Claymore did for me.
2: Yeah. that Lone Ranger. Yeah, was he one of your heroes when you were growing up? Oh, absolutely, yeah. and on
0: the radio too. Yeah. And I can still remember to, uh, listening to Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle, and listen to that that uh, uh, call. Oh, it was just amazing, because yeah. uh, you're picturing you, you didn't have TV, you could only picture him and Sergeant Preston of the Yukon,
2: right? Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: and all of these uh, heroes back then that you looked up to. Yeah,
2: yeah, they don't have them anymore. They, no,
0: they, they need them. And they're, well, they're making them every man. And, and here's the here's the reason, and I, it's a shame. It's just like they're talking about the feminist music uh, uh, movement. It's, it's to make the, the girls who aren't the beauty queens to feel, you know, not neglected. Uh, that's why they come down on them about having the, uh, the, the, the swimming suit contests and stuff like that. It's a shame. Uh, you look back, the Greeks uh, worshipped uh, um, beauty, mm-hmm. and they worshipped the uh, perfection, and that's why they were the classics. And this is what they drifted away from. They made these heroes everyman, and that's it, it, people just okay. They say okay, but that's not a hero that you remember, right? Uh, not not many people can name another Johnny Weissmuller movie, but they can sure name Tarzan. That's for sure. <laughs> not many people will remember me for anything, but they will remember Captain Marvel. That's right. Not many people remember that Clayton Moore was probably the most prolific, prolific. Uh, um, Uh, serial actor Uh, i forgot how many serials 35 36 he and buster crab did so many but he'll always be remembered as the lone ranger that's right and clay told me he said jackson you and i'll die we'll go on but the character will live on forever Mm -hmm. and you have to know uh these young kids how many of them are teenagers and stuff and i said have you ever heard of steve mcqueen they say who uh, don't even know who Steve McQueen is. Hmm. I ask some people my age: Can you remember any? Uh, can you remember another movie that Clark Abel did besides *Gone with the Wind*? Uh, can you name a, a Gary Cooper movie? Can you? All these guys were
1: huge stars. Oh yeah, yeah. Can
0: you name a Spencer Tracy movie? Uh, you know, none of them can really come up with something. Yeah, maybe they'll come up with *The Misfits* because they'll remember Marilyn Monroe. Right. But uh, <laughs> most of the time, they don't remember this. The name of good Robert Taylor movie, uh, and, and Alan Ladd, uh, you know, even though you, one of my favorite uh, characters when I was growing up was Shane. Shane, of course. Yeah. Oh my gosh! And then to see that uh, Jack Palance, I mean, I just drilled in my mind what a what a really bad guy this guy was, yeah. and how he, how he did that so well, and <laughs> him getting off of that horse and that slow dismount. I mean, it's just
1: classic stuff.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Speaking of movies, we've heard rumors of, of a Shazam, you know, movie, Captain Marvel movie, uh, over the years. You ever heard anything else about it? Yeah, I've heard rumors, and
0: that's about what it is—a rumor. Yeah, it's gone through so so many scripts. Uh, I think uh, Goldman did the first one. Then they had the Toy Story guys doing. it, Then they had this one guy that's just this last one. I think he was a little disgruntled because they uh, went right away from it. Um, and now I think uh, New Line, who was involved in it, they're off of it. And what is happening now is, uh, from what I understand, again, rumors that uh, Superman is, is reverting back to the, uh, to the uh, family uh, away from D.C., so now they're going to really cram that in. I think it goes back to them in 2013. So they're going to try to get as much as they can out of Superman. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, they did this. Captain Marvel outsold Superman. In the 40s, and that's why they wow. in 30s. That's why they uh, sued him, uh, Fawcett Publications, uh, for the infringement of the superhero, and they made the uh, uh, mistake of when they won the suit or when Fawcett just said heck with it, and gave up in 53. They didn't pick up the, the uh, copyright for the ti- title Captain Marvel, so they lost that to Marvel Comics. I came up with some guy that clacks his wrist and says Captain Marvel, some ethereal, I don't know, yeah. um, I know out of San Francisco type. Anyway, he—they uh, uh, they didn't pick it up. So Julie Schwartz, who was the editor of uh, DC at the time and, uh, and with the Shazam stuff, said they all got around and. And pow out it, and it came up. He said, "They came up with why not just say Shazam with an exclamation point?" And so they did, and that's how that comic came out in '73. And underneath, you uh, some of the original, was, the original Captain Marvel, is how they put underneath it. Mm-hmm. World, sometimes the world's mightiest mortal, but also the original Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they can't use the title. Uh-huh. So as a result, um, for some reason, I have yet to figure it out. They haven't put. Uh, the series we did from te- uh, television out yet. Now I know ISIS because is the filmation owned that and they sold it to some uh, outfit out of the UK. But but for some reason Warner's is sitting on it. I don't know if they're just waiting on me to die or something. I don't know hmm. what it is, hmm. um, but uh, I, I can't figure it out. Yeah, it, it, they got they got one of the best. Uh, even Earl Owensby wanted to do it in 3D. He was the king of the bees. Um, I've 2020 did. I don't know how many articles on him, but he, uh, he told me that he wanted to do it in 3D, until he found out it cost $10 million to get the rights. Uh, this this is what they're sitting on.
1: Yeah.
0: is a family. Not only just Captain Marvel, but you got Mary Marvel. You got Captain Marvel Jr., who was Elvis's he loved. That's where T, uh, Taking Care of Business came from, T, um, TCB. Mm-hmm. With the lightning bolt, that lightning bolt is junior's lightning bolt Captain Marble junior's lightning bolt. that's where it came from uh all of this and in I mean, my gosh, look at all of the spin offs and the things they could do with
1: it oh yeah,
0: and yeah. and all they're doing is sticking with Superman and sticking with Batman, yep yeah, uh, and they can't even settle on a Batman. they got one now I know. Uh, <laughs> if if he'll just hold his temper down. Uh, as Alec uh, uh, Baldwin said, "Thank you, Christian." <laughs> yes,
2: <laughs>
0: I don't. I'm sure everybody has listened. That savvy has listened to him blow up at that cameraman. Oh yeah, which, which was just absolutely unprofessional.
2: I know. Yeah, Jeez. just.
0: I mean, come on, get yeah. a grip. I mean, it's only acting. It's like Lawrence Olivier, Wade told uh, Dustin Hoffman in the Marathon Man when he was out running around to get out of breath to do the scene, and he said, "Dusty, have you not heard of acting?" <laughs> so. Very funny yeah. well something I'd, I of course i am sure I'd uh, paraphrase that, but it was along
2: those lines yeah yeah well Jackson, I want to finish up with just two quick questions here okay a more on a personal note, what's your favorite TV shows of all time uh twenty four is a good one yeah uh, recently but again
0: way back when when I was growing up and of course they look a little funny now of course was the Lone Ranger and Sergeant yes. Preston of the Yukon yeah but uh as far as uh just remembering back, you know, I've always looked at Davy Crockett, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm trying to think, when I went to, to school uh, and coming out to Calgary, because I didn't watch a lot of TV uh, at the time, ones I'm trying to think of that I would, he caught me off guard on that one. And I, that's why I went back to 24 right off of the bat. Mm-hmm. One of the best best shows until they bought, bought uh, uh, Garofalo or whatever her name is at the Jeez. end. Mm-hmm. It sort of went down. She's a little bit left of what the show is supposed yeah. to be about. Uh, Janine Garofalo, so she's a good actress, I, you know. But as far as her uh, being what she is, it sort of killed it for me. Mm-hmm. But the show was just magnificent, uh, well written, well done. Uh, it, it's just uh, was. I mean, they really did a good job on that show. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. 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 What about movies? What's your favorite movies of all time?
0: Well, I got several. Uh if you want a perfect movie that'd be Witness. Uh but I love uh Citizen Kane, uh Seven Samurai, uh Searchers, um Shane, kinda of, you know, I could yeah. watch these uh Blade Runner. Yeah. Watch these over and over and over again.
2: Yeah, classics. Uh, uh.
0: For, for for certain things,
2: yeah. Yeah, when you said witness, did do you mean the uh the movie with Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, okay, yeah. I wasn't sure if, if there was another one that you were talking no, about.
0: No, it's, it's, probably, it's all, almost a perfect movie. Yeah. I mean, it, with the music, uh, with the setup, with everything. I mean, it was just really, really well done.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, Jackson, I want to thank you so much. Uh, it's, this has been a lot of fun, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us.
0: Well, it was my pleasure, buddy.
2: And I want to thank Jackson Bostwick so much for taking the time to sit down and talk with us about Shazam, Captain Marvel, and the whole thing and it's right here on On Screen and Beyond as we continue to bring you just an amazing amount of guests and and just so many different people, and we are going to continue to do that, and we need your suggestions, too, because we need your help, okay? Uh, You can email me at feedback at screen and give me some suggestions because I'm always looking to try to find different people, people you'd like to hear and um, you know we try our best to get them if uh, if they are available or if they want to do it or whatever. But uh, you gotta gotta help me out. Just send it to me at feedback at onscreenabeyond dot com, and we'll see what we can do about uh, getting those people on here for you. We've got a great cast coming your way next week, and uh, I'm not going to tell you any clues or anything like that. But uh, they're going to be coming up next week we hope you'll be here that's a wrap for this week and until next week when we once again take you on screen and beyond i'm brian zemrak take care